Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Replacement Level Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Phillips. We are obviously the place to be when you want to get your baseball information. Uh, again, my colleague Rafal is over in Israel. It joined his gap year and he is staying safe over there. I know people are probably worried about that considering what is going on over in that country, in that area of the world, but he is safe. He's doing well over there. He's uh, not really near any of the stuff that's going on, which is wonderful to hear. So he's doing well. But uh, as you guys can see today, we have a special guest joining us, a returning guest, uh, Ted Schwarzel, who covers the Minnesota Twins. And as you can see, Ted is a Ducks fan. So Ted, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. So uh, we're going to kind of jump into this here um, before we kind of get started talking about the Twins. I've heard, and I'm sure you've probably seen and heard as well too, a lot of people complaining about the Major League Baseball playoff format, and a lot of people have said there needs to be a change in it because the best teams aren't advancing, and I, I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that um, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I, I think postseason baseball is um, probably more exciting than almost any other sports final tournament. Um, and yeah, obviously anything can happen in a short series, especially uh, the wild card round where you're dealing with three games. But that is a change from, I can't remember what it was two years ago or three years ago when it was just a single game. Um, but yeah, I, it doesn't water down the regular season. You put yourself in a more advantageous spot based on your regular season. But if anything... The regular season is an opportunity for franchises and front offices, really, and players, too, from a, a health and production perspective, just to kind of show um, there's truth to performance. The COVID-60 game season did not allow for any sort of um, variation from number perspectives. Things didn't flush out. There were a lot of guys that had really good years that year that have not since. Um, and so the length of the regular season allows for that additional um, time for, for numbers and baseball to have its ebbs and flows and whatnot. And then, yeah, in the postseason, you're going to have the Braves. Or I guess the Phillies were a wild card team, but you're going to have a team like the Braves um, or maybe the Astros or the the Orioles bow out because it, there's not that much difference between you know the number one team and the number five team in an right. American League or the National League. It's more about you know the extra fringe player on the roster or two. But yeah, I mean I, my. Um, my stance has always been do what you can to get into the playoffs or to the postseason and then see where the dice roll from there. And that's why, like, as a Twins fan, it's fun to me seeing a team be relatively competitive every year. Sure, it was super annoying hearing about the 0-18 and everything like that, not winning games in the playoffs, but consistently winning divisions gives you a chance to win a World Series every year. A team like the White Sox or the Royals, where they, they were really good for – a two-year stretch, yeah, but then you have complete irrelevant baseball for decades upon decades outside of that. That just sounds awful. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the things a lot of people I've seen kind of complain about is just the fact that the first, the first, the over one, number one overall seed in each division, they get that week off, and because of that, they've lost all their like momentum and, and their timing and everything. And I, 
I think there is a little bit to that. I mean, there's only so much you can do in simulations and stuff like that. But these guys are professionals. You you have spring training, you have IL stints, and like you you know what's going to happen. So just be prepared and like maybe coaches and organizations need to look at okay how can we keep somebody as fresh as possible and in rhythm and in timing if they get a week off without having you know the opportunity to send them to the minor leagues to work on things or anything like that but um that that goes back to the variance too of like in a again in a five game or a seven game or especially a three game series you're not going to have variance like two two good things happen your way and you win the series or whatever. And it's hard. I think it's always like a chicken and an egg thing. I believe it was the the guardians a couple of years ago, ripped off like 14 straight wins or something right before the postseason in September. And the general consensus was like, Oh, awesome. They're super hot right now. Except like the flip side is that every night in September, when they've already got the division one, they're going out trying to play perfect and they don't play loose. And then they go to the postseason and lose like I don't know. Momentum matters, but I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, the Diamondbacks have all the momentum in the world right now, yeah. but so do the Rangers. They haven't lost on the road, so one of those two is going to see something come to an end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just there. I mean, there's not going to be a perfect system or anything like that. But I think you know the pros know how to do it, and. I think having the longer series is only to just prove who the better team is. And sometimes matchups just don't work out. Like maybe teams just don't match up well. And, you know, MLB season is a lot about depth and having that because you need to get through a long season. But then you need to have the stars shine in those, you know, shorter spurts. And I think what the MLB postseason may show is just, you know, okay, do you have that star power that can get hot in a short time and win you a series and, you know, Diamondbacks, Rangers, they've got it, and the rest of the guys, they they don't. Um, but Twins made the playoffs, which was awesome. They they you know they got in, they were able to win the division, and everything. Um, what were your thoughts on the Twins playoffs this year round? Obviously, they they're not in the World Series, so that's unfortunate. But you know, overall, what do you think of how they did? Yeah, I mean, again, the goal every year, you can say that it's to win the World Series. And that's great, but that's not realistic. Like, one team wins every year. There's 29 teams that end their season with a loss. And so if your goal every year is to be good enough to win the World Series, that means getting into the postseason. And that's when said that this year they ended that stupid streak that's been going on forever. Um, that then doesn't have to be something that's hanging over the head of any future team or something that needs to be asked about. Um they obviously held home field well against uh, Toronto. They beat an Astros team that they did match up well with. Um, I mean, there were a couple things that, again, a short series variance. It, if if Sonny, Sonny Gray gave up four runs in game three when they were tied um, 1-1 in the first inning, and really none of those runs should have scored if Alex Kirloff makes a pretty routine play come to find out he's dealing with a shoulder issue that needed surgery. But Mm. like they, they were matched up well against Houston. I thought they would match up well against Texas. I haven't believe it's mind blowing to me that Jordan Montgomery is the pitcher that he is right now. Um, But yeah, I mean the twins looked like a team that could beat anyone. Um, 
They had the ace in Pablo. They had a great second in uh, Sonny Gray. They had options in Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober. The lineup didn't hit, but there are guys in the lineup capable of hitting. Um, They'll have to fix that next year. Uh, There was far too many times that um, it just was dormant. But it, it was a successful season, and you have to go into spring training thinking positive things about where the Twins are at, especially relative to the division as a whole. Do you think, uh, Grant, there's going to be the whole offseason, so free agency, trades, all that good stuff, rosters will change, lineups will change. But right now, do you think going into 2024, the Twins are the team to beat in the AL Central? Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, not even as a a homer pick, but I've been high on the White Sox being just a good roster for a while, but they've been so poorly mismanaged and they look like they're going to just blow it up, which they – probably need to. Um, the Guardians, to me, look like they're on the downswing of where they could be from a competitiveness standpoint. They did add uh, Ray's prospect Kyle Manzardo when they they dealt, uh, I believe it was Plezak or Savali. I can't remember which. I think Savali. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just, they've had young guys come up and like Gabriel Arias and Brian Rocchio and like yeah, they're still young, but none of them have like really jumped off the page. Their pitching does still look good. Tanner Bybee and uh, some of those guys have been have been good this year, mm-hmm. but and then also you know you're replacing Terry Francona there. I think honestly the the team that could be the scariest as a competitor for the Twins in the Central is the Tigers because I think they have an affinity to spend. Okay. I think AJ Hinch is a really good manager. And I think that they have prospects where, like the Guardians, you hear about the prospects that they want to succeed. Mm-hmm. I think you're seeing some of the Tigers' prospects, like Torkelson ended up having a really good year. I think Tark Scoobal is really good. They yeah. could get Casey Mize back. Like They have some arms and a mix of uh, what's his name, Riley Green in center field. Like yep. if, if Javier Baez learns how to play baseball at all again, like – that team could be decent, and like I said, I mean, they, they went big on Javier Baez. I could see them spending a decent amount this offseason. They'll have to replace Eduardo Rodriguez. Like, they can throw some money around. All right, hot take. Are the Tigers going to be this year's Rangers in terms of the offseason, just throwing out crazy money? I don't, I don't know enough about their ownership. Isn't it? I, I think their owner is the guy that – owns the Red Wings and Little Caesars and things like that. I don't know what their spending is like, but they should have a ton of money. I mean, Miguel Cabrera's contract comes off the books. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez's contract comes off the books. I don't remember off the top of my head who their GM is, but AJ Hinch has been around some really good teams. If he has influence on that front office and they spend that money correctly... I wouldn't be shocked to see them be a, a – I mean, they finished second this year in the AL Central. They chased down Cleveland, so. Wow. I mean, yeah, they could – I yeah, so they're, they're definitely going to be a team to watch this offseason for sure and heading into next year. Um, 
Ted, for the Twins in this playoff, you know, sometimes we see teams get in there maybe a little bit fluky, a little bit lucky, whatever the case. But then there's always their glaring weakness that kind of gets exposed in the playoffs, or maybe even they have a new weakness that gets shown up that, you know, people are like, oh, I didn't really realize that was so bad. Did any of that happen with the Twins roster this playoff time, or everything that you saw happen with them and their demise, like we kind of knew about it already? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was a ton of new things. I think it was what you expected from the season. The second half, they scored a lot of runs. They started to hit. They were one of the higher run-producing teams in baseball. That was great to see that dissipated in the playoffs. Um, And it was kind of overshadowed a little bit by Pablo Lopez pitching so well um, and Royce Lewis being superhuman. I mean, both of those two had such big moments and Edward Julian actually had a really nice postseason as well. But those guys had such big moments that it kind of overshadowed, oh, okay, the Twins lost, you know, game one to the range or to the Astros or game three because such and such pitcher blew up. Well, yeah, maybe, but also they didn't score runs. Like, mm-hmm. not hitting in the postseason. And hitting in the postseason obviously only gets tougher because you're always facing yeah. the best arms. So, yeah, if you're not hitting in the regular season, you you really got to figure that out before um, shortened play. All right. So expectations for the Twins this offseason, are they, are they going to be in there competing with the Tigers, potentially spending a lot of money, or are they going to kind of continue to do what they've been doing? I think they will have a – I think a lot is up in the air. I think um, – they know that this window is open and they're not going to sit back and not spend or not add because for whatever reason. However, not having a TV deal going into next year is not ideal. Uh, I mean, that's probably like 55 million or so in revenue each year. They'll figure something out that will compensate for a portion of that. Um, They could also go down the route of putting a uniform patch on their jerseys and things like that. But I don't think, and I think the free agent market too skews a little bit away from what they they would want to do. I think they will obviously try to replace Sonny Gray. They'll give him a qualifying offer. I don't expect him to take that. I don't think he would come back on a two-year deal. I don't know that the Twins would want to give him a three-year deal. But that's $15-20 million that you could then use to trade for somebody and take on that salary. Um, I think they'll look for a right-handed bat to help at first base. Alex Kirloff has kind of proven to be a little bit untrustworthy from a health perspective and just gets a little bit lost in the lineup. So they'll they'll spend or do something there. But to me, the free agent starting pitching market's pretty thin. The big right-handed bat market, yeah, there's always somebody, but there's not a ton of great options. And as quick as you would want to throw out a Blake Snell or a Reese Hoskins, those guys are going to get those same refrains from a bunch of other teams in Major League Baseball, and that's only going to drive up prices. So I think the Twins will add. I don't know how they'll do it. Okay. All right. Now I want to play a little little game here. I got six players here in mind, um, and I kind of want to go through each one and get what you expect to have happen to them, either you know with the Twins and kind of going into the next season. Um, we're going to start off first with kind of the guy, and that is Byron Buxton. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's Mike Trout 
level talent when he plays. And it's unfortunate that um, he didn't play the field at all this year. That knee was problematic. I don't know that they, they did do surgery basically the day after the season. Um, it sounds like it was a pretty minor surgery, but it also doesn't sound like they are super confident that that's going to necessarily be the change that fixes everything. It's kind of a guessing game at this point with what he needs done to, to have it work. Um, I mean, he'll be back. I think there's 0% chance that they go down the road again of just having him be a DH that didn't work this year. He has way too much swing and miss in his game to mm-hmm. um, just hit. I mean, he, he needs to find rhythms in the field and run and that sort of thing. Um, and I think they'll supplement him again with a type of center fielder like they did with Michael A. Taylor, where that person can be relied on to be the starter if Byron Buxton never plays a game. They can't go out and have it be Jake Cave or Rob Snyder or somebody like that, where it's just a, oh, there's somebody that can play a center field behind him. Um, he would be a huge linchpin to their lineup and to the batting order and all of that if he is healthy and can go next year. But that if has been there for years, and I love watching Byron Buxton play, but I, I don't think that there's a point anymore for the rest of his career that you can just pencil him in as your 1A option. Oh, that would be unfortunate because I'm with you. I like watching him play as well, especially in center field. Next up is going to be Max Kepler. I uh, I get lots of, or got lots of, told you so type stuff or gotcha um, down the second half on Kepler. And uh, I don't know, I've never felt negatively towards a player based on production or writing or anything like that. Um, It's all just, you know, where is a guy at right now? And Max Kepler's always been so frustrating because he's so talented. If he just does one thing, elevate the ball. He, he tries to pull everything on the ground. And for whatever reason, he said that in interviews over the years, he thinks hitting the ball into the ground is a a beneficial way to get on base. It's terrible. It doesn't work. That's not a major league process. He was horrible in the first half because of a lot of that. I mean, he's a guy that he, when the shift got banned, he wasn't all of a sudden going to start getting extra base hits because he doesn't hit the ball over the shift. He doesn't hit line drives. He hits ground balls. The second half, he tore up Major League Baseball and was probably the Twins' best hitter because he upped his launch angle by about four degrees and everything that was a line drive or a ground ball became doubles and homers. Surprise. Yeah, he went from a guy that probably was a a DFA candidate around the All-Star break to there's zero question now whether or not they'll pick up. He has a, I believe his is a team option and they will definitely exercise that. He'll be the starting right fielder next year. And he should be again, but hopefully he comes out of the gate and plays the way he did the second half. Cause he's a very, very good player when he puts the ball in play with a little bit of loft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up is uh, Chris Paddock. Fun to see at the end of the season. I did not yeah. think he was going to um, be in the bullpen. It, from what I started hearing around the all-star break, it sounded like, yeah, we we might have him back in September. We don't really know. And then, like, a couple weeks later, it was all systems go as, yeah, we're going to ramp him up 
to pitch in the bullpen, and he's also going to be in a postseason bullpen. Like he, I don't care if he throws one out or one outing before the mm-hmm. postseason, he's going to be in the bullpen, and he looked great doing it. Um, yes. The command was good. The stuff, I mean, he threw his uh, fastest pitch of his career at the end of the season. Like he looked great, um, and I think that's a big boost for the Twins' rotation next year. He's not somebody that you should rely on replacing Sonny Gray, but. Before Tommy John in 2022, he was the Twins' best pitcher for the first month and a half of the season. So having somebody that, you know, it goes Lopez, that guy, and then Paddock as your top three, and you push Joe Ryan or Bailey over down a little bit, that's a really good top three of your rotation. Again, got to stay healthy. He's had Tommy John twice. But, yeah, the arm looks great. Yeah. Um He's a guy that I want to see succeed just because, unfortunately, injuries have hampered him. But when he has been healthy, he's been fairly good. And I'm curious to see just how how good he can be. I feel like we haven't gotten a real good look at just that. Uh, next up is a guy you've mentioned a couple of times now already and what's going to happen with him, and that is Sonny Gray. What What's going on with him? Yeah, I mean, he's going to get paid. He should. Um it's probably his last chance at a, a real payday. Um, again, I mean, he's obviously made plenty of money in his career, but he'll get a qualifying offer from the Twins. The Twins should expect him to reject that. There's no reason that he's not going to get a multi-year deal from someone. The difference, I think, will be, and he said he likes Minnesota, but do you like it enough to turn down a three- or four-year deal elsewhere? To stay on a two-year deal at Minnesota or with the Twins, I don't think the Twins front office has not shown an affinity to spend a ton of money on free agent pitching, and doing that for a guy that will be 36 at the end of a three-year deal is a little bit dicey. Gray okay. also has never thrown more than I think this season was his most innings pitched since like 2015. Mm-hmm. Durability—it's not that he gets injured for long periods of time, but durability saps his effectiveness a little bit. Um, I, I would put a less than 10% chance on him being back. Um, but I I think he'll be successful wherever he goes for another year or two. Um, the Twins front office, I wrote about this a couple days or a couple weeks ago at Twins Daily. The way they executed that trade could not have gone any better for them because they, they – took Chase Petty with a 25th, 26th type round pick. Yeah, he threw 100 miles an hour as a a prep arm, but prep arms blow out or flame out more than any other type of prospect. Um, And to get a a starter like Sonny Gray for that, and then two years later when you lose him, to get the same type of pick in a compensatory pick from the QO, like that's that's exactly what you'd want to see from that. Yeah, that's yeah, that absolutely is working out well for them for sure. Um, a guy that you talked about at the beginning of last season, who's I think you said, if I'm remembering, his knee shouldn't look the way it does, and that is Jorge Polanco. Yeah, I, <laughs> injuries again. I mean, mm-hmm. he he looked really good for periods down the stretch. Yes. Uh, his his. Body much like Luis Arias, who the Twins traded from his position, um, probably doesn't hold up as much as you'd like to see it. However, I think just like Kepler, he at a point during 2023 looked like a guy that 
was probably a you, you decline his option and move on. He had a, um, a vesting option based on plate appearances. Obviously, didn't hit that, but the Twins then can turn that into a team option. I think they probably will keep him um, for 2024. He provides insurance at third base, though that's ugly. We saw that in the postseason. You don't want him playing third base, but he can play second base. Uh, if they teach Edward Julian some first this offseason, um, he can DH for you. You don't really want him playing shortstop either, um, but he he has that veteran ability, um, can hit the ball well. I think his option is something like 8 to $10 million at that. I'm, the production will be fine to justify keeping him. Sure. Why not? Why not? That's not a terrible amount of money. And like you said, he can kind of fill in a little bit everywhere. And when he's healthy, he can be productive and helpful. And Twins could use that. Um, transitioning to a guy who really wasn't that productive, or at least I thought he'd be a little more productive, especially with the shift being banned, and that is Joey Gallo. Yeah, what a colossal failure of uh, of a season, and it sucks. He seems like an absolutely great guy. Yeah. He was a good interview early in the spring. Um, he came in with a lot of energy. I know a couple of the coaches I talked to thought, you know, get him a new um, new change of scenery and things would, would work out, when, and it, it just didn't. Um, he looked bad at the plate often. Um, and there's a place for three true outcome type guy. I mean, Kyle Schwarber was amazing in the postseason for the Phillies, but Joey Gallo didn't hit 40 home runs. Um, he, he, I think he probably could have worked as a leadoff guy a little bit more because he did take walks. He hated hitting leadoff. He kind of made that known. Um, he did a good job in left and center and really did a, a good job at first base and was needed there more than I think the Twins thought they were going to need him. I think they mm-hmm. relied a little bit heavily on Kirloff. Um, but also the way they constructed the roster with him was very odd. In his, I believe he signed in December, and to go get a left-handed bat in the outfield when you already had Larnick and Walner and Kepler and basically everyone under the sun in the organization was a left-handed outfielder, it really hamstrung them. And that's why, you know, down the stretch, they were picking Jordan Loop blow up off waivers and trying other guy, putting Willie Castro in left field. It just, yeah, I don't know. I, I wish him well and hope that he, can he'll find a job next year? I can't imagine it'll be for eleven million dollars again. But um, yeah, it it just didn't work with Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, a lot of what you said, and you know, changing the swing and scenery and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I thought especially with the shift being banned and everything, like getting away from the pressure of New York, that would might help with the rebound, and it just didn't come to fruition. Um, all right, we're gonna shift Ted here. Like I said at the beginning of the show, you're wearing Ducks gear. I am also a Ducks fan as well. Um, they have a huge game coming up this week against Utah. What's your what's your call on it? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, obviously it's not great to have to go on the road again. I believe that's in Utah. No. Utah yeah. Um, yeah. All, all of these early games losing at Washington was tough. Um, but playing on the road – Yes, it was a great game, and they only dropped one spot in the the poll because of that. Um, I think Bo Nix has just played in so many big games in his career that 
this is just another game for him where Washington has to feel the, or I'm sorry, Utah has to feel the pressure of like, this is our season. They've already got one loss. Um, Cam Rising is out for the year now. They've transitioned to that backup. I can't, Jones, I believe is his name. Okay. Um, he played well against USC, but USC's defense is terrible. Um, and I, I don't know. I think the Ducks get it done. They they were seven-point favorites, I think, when they opened this week. Um, I, I think it's got to come down to Oregon or Washington representing – the Pac-12 in the in the playoff, mm-hmm. uh, and really, you know, not coasting but focusing each week at a time to get there is huge. They need to worry about this game, and then they need to worry about USC in that game, and then they need to worry about Oregon State. But yeah, I don't know. I think Dan Lanning has this team in a good spot, and he, for as much as I love Chip and the coaches that we've gone through since him, have mm-hmm. been. Eh, um, I think it's been great to have a guy from the SEC that wants to have a good defense and big bodies and fast athletes and more than just, hey, we're going to be a speed, um, yeah. hurry-up offense type team. Um, and I think that that translates to these big games. Nothing that Dan Lanning is seeing in the Pac-12 or when we move to the Big Ten next year is going to be something that he hasn't already seen in the SEC yeah, absolutely. And I mean, talk about coaches that went through. I can't believe how bad Mario Cristobal is doing at Miami. Like, I thought that was going to be a great fit for him based on what he was able to do in Oregon. Like, he's a train wreck. I'm so glad he's not coaching. Well, if you remember, too, he did that whole uh, whatever, the not kneeling crap with CJ Verdell when he was with the Ducks, too. Oh, yeah. um, there was a game that we had, uh, the Ducks had won, and. For whatever reason, he he had C.J. Verdell run a play, and I can't remember if he fumbled or didn't get it, but then turn, turnover and the Ducks lost the game. But, yeah, I thought it would be a good fit, too. I mean, obviously, he's from there. It's, it's a good fit um, personality-wise, but his in-game coaching has looked bad. And really, the only reason he hasn't looked worse than Willie Taggart is because Taggart's no longer a head coach, I don't think. That guy was absolutely horrible. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you think the Ducks are going to win the Pac-12? If I mean, are they still called the Pac-12 now or Pac-2? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I do. I think that playing that Washington game early was a good um, test and sets them up for a decent fit on a neutral field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the fact that the Pac-12 is good, they don't have cupcakes the rest of the way. I mean, they they have a, I believe there's one game sandwiched in between like USC and Oregon State that like is a 500 team or something like that. But it's not, you're not going to go out and roll anyone anymore. And that's yeah. a good thing. Each week should be, hey, we got to be focused on this week and move forward. Yep. Yeah, it should be fun. I really hope the Ducks can beat Utah just because Utah's kind of been a pain in their side the last last few seasons. And if you ask me, the Ducks had the better talent, but it just seems like they're, I guess, outcoached by Utah because Utah kept winning and just very frustrating. But um, all right, Ted, time for you to get a chance to kind of brag about what you have coming on next that fans can look forward to. What, what are you up to? Yeah, uh, just off-season coverage at Twins Daily. Uh, I believe we'll probably have – an off-season handbook again come out at some point um, looking at what the Twins will end up doing or 
can look at doing to add. And uh, I've, I've been on Twitter just really enjoying the postseason and kind of living through um, the game on Twitter. I'm, I'm a big uh, fan of Mitch Garber. He's a good friend of mine, and seeing him win a ring would be awesome. So um, it's been fun to see the Rangers run, and I, I hope we get a good series. Are you picking the Rangers to win it? or? Yeah, I have them in six. I, I think they'll drop one um, along the way, one or two along the way, and, and end up winning in six. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, Ted, thank you again for coming on. We always love having you on. You're a great, great guest. Uh, For everybody out there, you can follow Ted on Twitter at TL Schwerz. Check out his stuff at Twins Daily as well. Um, Also, offthebaggy.blogspot.com as well. You can check us out on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter as well at Replacement Level 1. Follow my colleague Rafal at RafalN613. Myself at C underscore Phillips underscore 13. Like I said, follow us on YouTube. Check us out on Spotify. You can find us also on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you can get your podcasts. Until next time, guys, thank you for tuning in and have a great day.